Welcome back to the podcast. I am Lance. Is this recording? <laughs> <laughs> and I'm Mike. <laughs> and we are just these guys, you know. And I am very excited about this episode. You are. I'll tell you why. What? Last week, you asked me to do something that I still to this day, even though I get up and I share my testimony, pretty regular. Sure. You asked me to tell my story. Yes. Kind of help folks to get to know who I am. And I have to say that about halfway through, the thought occurred to me, you haven't said that you were going to tell your story. (laughs) And so I didn't actually even bring it up. It's all part of the plan. Right. And so during the week, though, actually just a, a few days. No, it was that same day. I said, when we were done, I said, you know, you're up next. Yes. I said, share your story next because yes. I don't really I know you but, but you, I you know there's me. a lot of things about you that I don't know and so I'm obviously coming along for the ride here today <laughs> and get to see a little bit more and hear a little bit more about Lance Parker well and I'll try to tailor this to kind of mirror the story you told last week in terms of how did you get to this point where you're yeah. a pastor. How did you get to this point where you're serving Christ? So it's an, in a sense, it's like your testimony about your walk with Christ. Yep. Um, I'm sure that we could sit around and you could tell me a million stories. Oh yeah. About high school and college, et cetera. All right. And, and, um, I did you the favor of telling you the night before. <laughs> that that's what we're yeah. going to do the next day. You yeah. told me a week in advance, so yeah. my brain's been percolating all week. And <laughs> and that's not really a favor, is it? No, no. I was like, what am I going to say? Do I tell him about this? Do I tell him about that? Yeah. How do you condense a lifetime down into right 25 minutes? Yeah. And so um, I thought I would you know, follow the master and just get in here and wing it. And there kind you of, go. Kind of what I what comes to my mind, what feels like sharing, I'll, I'll share with you. Cool. So, I was born... No. <laughs> <laughs> One thing people may or may not know about me is I have ADHD. <laughs> yes. Wow. And my, my, my father was in the Navy, and so we traveled a lot. Uh, we moved every you know, two or three years. Actually, I spent most of my childhood in Japan grew up in Japan okay. and my mother, you know, looking back, uh, I, I believe, you know, they didn't have the diagnosis back then, ADHD. They just, right. you know, I was a handful. Yeah. That's you all they just knew. A... And so she did everything she could as a mother to try to steer me in the right direction. So I was in dance. I was, <laughs> I was in ballet. <laughs> mm-hmm. I was in piano. I, uh, I was in judo. I was in karate. I was in basketball. She she just constantly filled my schedule with activities, probably because I was driving her crazy at home. Yeah. And I, as I, you know, he retired, and we we ended up settling out in West Texas, for some reason. That's where family was originally from. And I started in high school, and you know, just I couldn't, I couldn't concentrate. I couldn't think straight. It, it, you know, the ADHD, the mind is kind of bouncing around all the time. And I really kind of hindsight, looking back at all of this, I would say that it, it caused me to live in the moment. Mm, you yeah. know, whatever, you know, bright, shiny object, whatever's in front of me, that's what I chased. And the one kind of, con- there were two constants in my life. Again, my mother 
um, you know, oppressed onto me. I had to go to church every Sunday, you know, put on the tie, go to church, and I had to be in scouting. And, and beyond that, uh, you know, my time was kind of my own. You know? hmm. So growing up and, and going to high school, I was, you know, I was in drama, I was in debate, I, I played the piano, I, I played the trumpet, I was, on the weekends, we were scouting, we were going camping, we were caving, mountain climbing, and, you know, everything was really about, you know, living in the moment. And looking back, just the decisions I made, I don't know, you know, we, you would not let a child do what, what we used to do. <laughs> yeah. I mean, walk out the door at 8 a.m. and not walk back in till sunset, and you know, gone. Just yeah, the good old days. Yeah, when I was 15, me and a couple of friends loaded up in a car, drove from West Texas out to the mountains of New Mexico, the Lincoln National Forest, and walked in <laughs> with a compass yeah. and some food we had packed, and right. we were gone for a week. Yeah. And our parents were okay with it. Wow. You know, just just crazy stuff like that. Well, my senior year of high school a moment came along and I just had a panic attack because suddenly I realized I was going to graduate hmm. and I had zero idea what I was going to do after high school. Right. And, and that panic, that fear just set in and I began to scramble. What, what should I do? What should I do? What am I, what are you supposed to do after high school? I, you know, nobody had ever talked to me about it. I didn't know what was next or maybe they did talk to me about it. I just didn't hear it. Yeah. And so I really panicked and I began scrambling and, and somehow or another I landed a, a scholarship for acting, <laughs> which made a lot of sense because I, I kind of think back my life was acting. I was insecure. You know, I, I, I couldn't put two thoughts together. I, I didn't like myself. And so I would act hmm. like somebody that other people might like. And sure. so I was a class clown. And, and so I went to college on this acting scholarship, but I knew that didn't pay the bills. Right. So I studied computers and, and trig and calculus, and lo and behold, proceeded to fail out of college. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Welcome Again, to the club. I, I wasn't prepared for that level of responsibility because I'm still living in the moment. Mm. And so every day, you know, I don't want to go to school. Eh, why go to school today? You know, oh, my friends are doing this. My friends are doing that. And so, you know, again, panic. What do you do when, you know, all else fails? You join the military. Sure. And so I, I kind of couched it in terms of family tradition. My father had been in the Navy. My grandfather had been in the Navy. My brother had been in the Army. A lot of family members had gone the military way. So I went in the military. Hmm. And that was a really a good place for me, I think, ultimately, because you know, being crazy, being a squirrel was kind of part of the job description. Drinking was part of the job description. Yeah. And you know, you really did need to heavily focus on the moment. And, and so I did a lot of growing up that first three years in the sense that I, I was able to, I guess, get some of it out. Just, sure. Just running amok, um, you know, living this rock video in my head. That right. <laughs> nobody else saw, but yeah, it was cool inside my brain. And again, as the enlistment started to kind of come up and four years was winding down and all my friends are getting out a another moment where I stopped and thought, what am I doing? Mm. You know, I, I own a surfboard, I own a skateboard, <laughs> 20 pair of sunglasses. And my big plan was to go to Australia. 
Uh-huh. I, I didn't have any money. Mm. I didn't have a job. I didn't have a passport. But <laughs> I'm going to Australia. <laughs> yep. And so I sat down again and kind of tried to kind of think through and think back to the words of my mother who had you know, tried to instill responsibility into me. And I decided that I would reenlist and pursue advancement in the military. Hmm. in particular officer programs. My dad had been an officer, so I'm now going to pursue an officer program. Yeah. And I re-enlisted and was uh, assigned to be a naval instructor. And the program I wanted to re-enlist for, the program I wanted to pursue, was canceled that year. Mm -hmm. So back to the drawing board again. You know, what what do you do? I don't know what I'm supposed to do. And so I, I dug in to more officers programs, but all of them required college courses. Okay, yep. So now I'm really feeling like I'm trapped in a failure because I just got kicked out of college. Why <laughs> Why do I think I'm gonna be successful this time around? But there was something, and it's, it's part of that ADHD motor that you know once you get something in your head, it, you really gotta drive and pursue it. And so yeah. just, Casting all care to the wind, I went down to the University of Hawaii and enrolled in classes. And they told me I have to take the SAT. Well, I haven't been in college in three, four years. I haven't been in high school in five or six years. And yeah. I really wasn't good at math anyway. And so a really shocking thing happened. It's like, well, i got to take the SAT and I don't know much about math. Well, how do you learn about math? You know, there's no YouTube. There's right. no... Right. Sylvan Learning Centers. Right. So I, I went <laughs> yeah. to the bookstore and bought a used book on algebra. Hmm. And I went home and I sat down on a Monday and I opened it up and I began reading. And then I did the homework at the back and I got an 85. Wow. And I was pretty excited about that. So I started chapter two. And by Friday, I'd done an entire book on algebra. Wow. And hmm. it was, you know, a really kind of cool moment that I learned that I could learn. Right, yeah. You could focus. And so I, I, I began my college career, and you know, at any given point in time, inside my mind, there's, there's two to three lines of thought going on. Right now, we're talking, but I'm thinking about the cameras and how well they're working, and I'm thinking about the commercial we're going to put out, and yeah. I'm thinking about work. And these, I've just gotten used to the noise, and these are running all the time. And I've learned kind of how to, to capitalize on that, that when I'm interested in something, I'm going to pour 10 tons of energy into it, and I'm going to really put a lot of effort and energy into it. So when I, I kind of strike when the iron is hot, yeah. if I say, well, I get to that Monday, I, I will never get to it. Right. Yeah. And, and if I do have to get to something and I've put it off and I'm no longer interested in it, it is the worst, hardest uh, job for me to get something done that I'm not interested in. Yeah. Worst case scenario is an ADHD procrastinator. Yeah. Yeah. It's just not going to work. It, it, I'm yeah. learning something here. So if something's put in front of me and I'm kind of interested in it, I do it at that moment. Sure. Because I will do it. I'll do it well. And if I put it off, it's not going to get done. Mm. And so I, I've, I've learned to live life in my mind um, in, in telecommunications, it's called a multiplexer. It's like this, this electronic equipment that rotates every, you know, 
certain amount of time to process data signals. And so it's constantly rotating and processing signals. So it looks like 20 signals are going through, but it's actually a series of one signal at a time, but mm -hmm. just every, you know, periodic amount of time. It's at 1.5 seconds. It's just rotating through. And so gotcha. that's kind of how I process information is I, I try to multiplex. And so when something's in front of me and I'm interested in it, I work really hard on it. And I'll wait, even if there's a deadline on something, I'll wait because if I'm not interested in it, I'm not going to do well. Sure. And so I wait until I am interested. Yeah. And, and so I just, in fact, if you've been to my office, which you have been, have you noticed uh, there's no dust drawers? I have not noticed, but as I think about it now, there are wow. no. Yeah, if I put something in a drawer, it's, it's out. It's gone, out of sight, out of mind. That's why my drawers are stuffed, <laughs> full of things that I'm always saying. I really need to go through that drawer. <laughs> okay. So uh, along this journey, and I go to graduate school, which is another. There's so many stories. I, I end up getting out of the Navy, for, really for this reason: stay in the Navy forever another 12 years before I could retire yeah but my my life kind of revolves around and this is my thinking because uh, I you know West Texas you you farm you work on oil rigs my life revolved around there were two types of jobs those you did with your back and those you did without your back sure and so in, in college I began to see that there were other jobs and psychologists were coming to me saying, Hey, you know, have you ever thought about pursuing graduate studies and becoming a psychologist? And I'm like, no, yeah, that was boring. <laughs> guys are boring. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, Dr. Fujinaka said one day in class, psychologists charge a hundred bucks an hour. I'm like, what? Mm -hmm. Wait a minute. You say that again? Yeah. And he said, they, they charge a hundred bucks an hour. And I said, to do what? And he said, well, to sit and listen and analyze. And I'm like, so you get paid a hundred bucks to sit? <laughs> Sign me up. <laughs> Not use your back? Not use your back. That that was really, you know, how I decided to become a psychologist. That was literally it. Oh, was here's awesome. a job I can do without my back sure. sitting down. Yeah. So I got out of the Navy. I applied. I rolled the dice. I, I was accepted to graduate school. And here's this kind of squirrely, impulsive military dude from west texas going into academia <laughs> and you think woke stuff is bad now it was born in psychology graduate schools and, well, and i was gotcha. hit in the face with with just an entire new way of thinking and approaching the world with political correctness and all of these other concepts i'd never heard of and it it was just a struggle the, the academics were more difficult um, I, I didn't want to do student loans didn't want to do student loans so right. I worked as a janitor I worked at a hospital on the weekends I taught two classes I had my 10 to 15 clients I had to see through the clinic and I had my classes so I was you know just working 100 120 hours a week but that's kind of the way I function sure if, if I I can't sit still yeah and my wife will testify, if there's a movie on, I'll be standing. Mm -hmm. yeah. Or I'll be watching the movie, but I'll be fingering my guitar. There's, right. there's always got to be a couple of things going on for me to focus. So I get through graduate school, and you know, part of this drive in the background you know, ever since high school was that insecurity. Okay. You know, that 
the jocks are better than me. The other kids are smarter than me. The guys in the military, they're higher ranked than me. They're, they're better than me. They're fleeters. I'm a, officers are better than me. And then I go to graduate school and all these students are smarter than me, more sophisticated than me. The professors are so much more self-assured. And I get my doctorate and I'm like, I don't feel any different. <laughs> yeah. I'm still that squirrely 18-year-old kid. Yeah. And the, the, the three big phases, hindsight, that my life kind of went through is uh, early on in life, I, I was doing things for no reason. It was just you know, living in the moment for the day. And then there was this transition at some point, you know, really in the military, where I started trying to live life how it's supposed to be. Mm. You're supposed to go to work. You're supposed to pursue uh, uh, promotions in the military. You're supposed to pr pursue promotions at work, higher education. Yep. All the cultural expectations. And so I'm, I'm doing everything I'm supposed to do, and it's not helping. I'm not happy. I keep looking down the road. When is it going to get better? Right. And my son is born, and that was... You know, a whole nother. Now I'm supposed to be a father. I'm supposed to be a good dad. I don't know how to do those things. Yeah. You know, the pressure was mounting on in, in different areas. And, and it. my heart was always in a good place. I was always really trying really hard. But I just did not ever feel like anything was clicking. Anything was working. And, and inside, you know, I didn't feel like the labels that were coming from the outside. I didn't feel like a doctor. I didn't feel like a father. I didn't feel, sure. I didn't feel good about who I was or anything. And so there came a, a second shift in all of that where I do it for others. Big shift. Now, and, and this is born out of a misunderstanding of religion and the Bible. Cause I've been in Sunday school since I was, you know, five. I can remember yeah. the little, uh, the Gideon Bibles. Yep. And, and I have like 20 of them yeah. <laughs> every the, year. I would get another one. Bible. Yeah. So I, I had this basic understanding of, of the Bible and spiritual concepts and religion and, and from a Baptist kind of perspective, what you're supposed to do, what you're not supposed to do. Right. And so I'm like, okay, well, I'm supposed to serve others, you know? So there was a period in my life where I you know, put myself second and, and I did things, you know, for other people. And I, it wasn't right for me to pursue happiness or joy. Mm -hmm. it, it was others comfort and satisfaction and joy. And if they're at the expense of yours and that didn't work, right? Yeah. <laughs> things in my <laughs> life didn't work. I mean, I was making good money. I had a nice house. I had nice cars, things, but I wasn't happy I wasn't satisfied you know financial debt was growing and building mm -hmm. and so I made a shift again well doing it because you're supposed to didn't work and doing it for others you, well you can't please others right now in the background of all of this is the four fundamentals are growing sure yeah. uh, I'm you know, teaching classes uh, at the county. I develop an anger management program. I'm, I'm developing my cognitive behavioral kind of skills as a clinician. And so all of this is working on me in the background. 
well, you're, you're supposed to do it for others. That's where real satisfaction in life comes from. And that didn't work. Right. You can't please others. That's right. And so the, the next shift was do it for myself. You know, I'm the only one I can control. So what do I want? How do I want things to be? What, you know, and that was kind of helpful because it took a lot of pressure off and it really made me rethink what I was doing in my life, how much of it was too, uh, giving myself away too much. Sure. Uh, How much was I overextending myself for others? And during this period, you know, the, the practice is going well, it's growing. Um, uh, I'm getting a lot of work from corners that I you know, really didn't expect. And it's still kind of weird that this 18 year old punk who's, you know, ran from the police all the time in high school, kind of like the Dukes of Hazards. Yeah. You know, yeah. Here he is testifying in court <laughs> as an expert. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, you don't know me. Yeah. That had to be weird on the inside. And 2013, I had uh, found out something I, I didn't know, but it made a whole lot of sense, that I had a congenital, what you call it, a birth defect, um, but I had spinal stenosis. Uh-huh. And, and okay. it had grown to a point. I, why was I crying in boot camp running? <laughs> mm. Well, it turns out that I had the spinal condition, and I ended up needing surgery, and I got the surgery. And after the surgery, it's not that the surgery changed my life or anything, but after that point, I think is really when I begin to settle down a little bit more into a routine. And, and in a way, I just kind of accepted this is my lot in life. Hmm. You know, this is the way it's going to be for the next 40 years. It's just the way it is. Well, and Stop your complaining. Just get up, go to work. Right. Come home, feed the dog, go to bed, shut up. Yeah. Imagine how many people are in that position. Well, part of my morning routine was I would get up and watch the news, have a cup of coffee, and being a squirrel, I, I can't stand commercials, so I'd, when I, one newscast would go to a commercial, I'd go to another newscast, flip around channels, and I ran across this televangelist, mm-hmm. and he was saying some pretty wacky stuff. Mm-hmm. Now, again, along this whole journey, what I haven't mentioned is every two weeks, every week, I would go in and sit down and get counsel with a pastor. Okay. And I've mentioned him, Dennis Wallace. Mm-hmm. Um, great guy. You know, really helped me in many, many ways grow yeah. uh, as, a, as a Christian and as a man. Absolutely. But as I began to listen to this televangelist, he was saying some crazy stuff. And I'm like, oh, my God, am I going to go to hell for listening to this guy? Right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and... But those, you know, again, the squirrel brain, he would say something and then all week it would percolate in the back of my mind. Yeah. And finally, you know, to get it out, I had to go to Dennis and ask. Yeah. You know, I'm like, hey, this guy, (laughs) you know, not that I believe him or anything, but he's saying some crazy stuff like, you know, we're not under the law. Yeah. And Dennis is like, well, that's true. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, what? Uh-huh. And he said that I'm equal to Jesus Christ. And he said, well, you are a co-heir to the throne with Jesus Christ. He is yep. the son of God. You're a child of God. You're brothers. Right. So in that sense, you are equal to Jesus Christ. I'm like, this is mind-blowing stuff. And I've read the Bible, and I've sat in church. and Sure. 
And so I began to listen to this guy because I could every day. And that's, you know, kind of key. If I can stay in something. And so I began to just absorb everything he was talking about. And it was the craziest thing. He did something beginning in January 2014. It was life-changing to me, and he's never done since. And, and I've tried to figure out how to get that program that he did. But from January 2014 to June, he walked through the entire Bible. Yeah. From Genesis to Revelations, he walked through giving a, a, a layman's explanation of stuff. In a sense, he was giving us the message version yeah. of the Bible. Yeah, and he cool. would, you know, King James, NIV, and he would, you know, and he would say, this is what it's saying. Mm. And he would walk through it all. And it was just, I felt like I went to divinity school. Or, I mean, I just, I had so much learning happen in that period. And that was when I made the final shift in my life. In the beginning, it was just, just do it. Yep. <laughs> Nike, just do it. Yep. And I, you know, jump out of cars and, you know, do crazy stuff. Well, and whatever comes to mind. Then it was, you know, do what you're supposed to do mm -hmm. and work hard and go to school. And then it became do it for others. And then it became do it for yourself. And that final shift was, Maybe I ought to be doing it for him. Mm. And, mm. and that was when everything in life changed. Yeah. Everything changed. I mean, all the problems and stressors that I was dealing with up to that point shifted and answers came and things got taken off my table and, and the pathway got cleared and problems were no longer problems. Problems became opportunities and, you know, just major shifts began to occur in my life and that was about the time Dennis retired hmm. and I had to find a new church and Tish and I were, you know, church shopping Yep. and she knew about your church and she had gone to it in the past. So we went there hmm. and it, it was like coming home. Wow. I mean, I just really felt because you know, every day is like, okay, what do you want me to do today? You know, yeah. I know what I want to do mm -hmm. <laughs> and I think I know what I should be doing, but <clears throat> what do you want me to do? Yeah. And, and that is where I met you, and that's where you and I began to kind of take that information from the classes and condense it and pull it in. And it has been, you know, the greatest, you know, six or seven years, the most productive, in my mind, the most productive six or seven years uh, that I've ever had. And I, I've been the most satisfied, the happiest mm. uh, in, in my entire life. Wow. There's no more insecurity. There's no more fear. There's no more worry. That's in a rapid fire nutshell. That, that's kind of how I got to this point. Hmm. And wow. one of the things he did for me was he showed me how to harness the power of ADHD. You bet. When you know, we were talking uh, in the past about how not to think about things. Yeah. Well, I learned, you know, early on how to stand still, you know, by clenching my toes and <laughs> flexing my back and pouring that energy into my posture, but that motor's still running and the thoughts are still bouncing around and I nod my head and I look in the eye, but I'm not thinking about you. Well, he helped me see that all of these things, this, there's, there's power in this. So as, 
as we're doing this, my mind's working on something at the office. Sure. And when I get to the office, I'm three steps ahead. There's still pitfalls. I forget things every day. I walked out of the office yesterday without the laptop that yep. I needed this morning. Yeah. Uh, in the past, we've been in here. I've forgotten to turn on the record. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, so it's not, uh, I'm certainly not perfect with all of this, but I, I've learned to live with it and to use it. And so you had asked, you know, how can I help? And I don't think this is a burden. Sure. Okay. You know, yeah. Setting up the equipment, learning how to do video editing, learning how to do podcast editing. Yeah. So it, I asked earlier how I could be of uh, more assistance, of uh, a more uh, equal partnership in this, in the effort of this. Sure. I made a analogy at church of a pregnancy where I feel like <laughs> I've given the male's uh, version of the uh, input. And you now you're carrying the baby, which is a terrible analogy well, for two was, guys to stand here. When and, you said that, three people walked by, <laughs> and I was wondering what they heard and what yeah. they were thinking. <laughs> but, Honey, we're at one of those churches. <laughs> yeah. Well, so uh, that's awesome. I, I really appreciate you sharing all that. There's a lot of that that I did not have any idea about. It also helps me to to appreciate what we're doing here mm -hmm. Uh very clearly, if you're watching on YouTube, uh, we are both ADHD. I have not stood still for a second. Right. And my mind has been a thousand different places. But I heard what you said because it, it's, it's very, very uh, interesting. And our stories are there for us to be able to, to surrender and let God use them. And what I'm excited about is what God's going to do with this. Yeah. And that we have the, the, a new chapter has been turned, a, new, a page has been turned, and we get to experience a whole other chapter of, of what uh, we can experience with the front row seat of what God is doing. So that's exciting to me. And, it, and it, from two, just these guys, two perspectives that we are literally nothing special only in Christ are we special, and it's just these guys, you know? And I don't know why that, well, I do know why, Squirrel, um, Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. <laughs> oh, yeah. The name right. came to my mind. But when you were reading uh, Scripture last week uh, in First Peter, mm -hmm. and, uh, you know, Paul said, you know, God's done with the proud. He just, you know, you said something about he just wants your plain self. Yeah. And that clicked is sure. we're just these guys and that's where we're meant to be. Absolutely. Just for us as, I mean, we've learned, right? We've learned, but when it comes to some of our uh, folks out there that we could in academia and all that, just unlearned, uh, that, that normal well, and that's the crazy part, and I don't know if you kind of share this perspective uh, of your life, but mm -hmm. when I look at it sometimes, it's like when I started out in life, 17 years old, graduating high school, I shot out the house like a rocket going somewhere. Yeah. And what I have found is 
I'm back to the beginning. Sure. Absolutely. And, and where I'm do best, where I'm happiest, where I'm, I'm most fulfilled, you know, none of that stuff that I thought, you know, the world offered provided any of that. And, and it was almost like I had to go through all of that to get back to the beginning. Mm. And I, I think, you know, too many people, you know, you see them sitting in church or you know, sitting in the audience at a seminar, too many people are pursuing happiness and, and meaning and purpose and joy and uh, relief. But in a sense, you know, they're pursuing it from the world. You bet. You know, they're, what do I do to feel better? You know, maybe I should move here. Maybe I should take that job. Maybe I should get a divorce. Maybe I should get married. They're, they're pursuing things their pursuit of happiness, which we have the complete freedom to do, yeah. their pursuit is not bringing them the happiness that they're wanting. It's, it's moments, right? Uh, moments of relief and moments of happiness, but those fade. You know, and, and, you know, in the Bible, it says, you know, if you do these things for, you know, your glory, well, there, you just had it. Right. You know, there's your glory. Yep. But if you do these things for heaven, your glory will live forever. Yeah. Seeking the kingdom first. Knowing what the most important relationship is. And it's it's a challenge to get there. And we all battle it. Just about the time we think we're there, we're, we realize we got a ways to go. <laughs> but I tell you what, I, I can speak for myself and I think I can speak for you. We're, we might not be where God wants us to be, but we're a lot further away from where we were. And thank God for that. Well, and Paul said, you know, yay, though I've not achieved all that has been laid out for me. I, right. I press on towards the goal. Yep. And that's the exciting part for me is I don't know where this journey goes. Yeah. I'm really enjoying the ride. Absolutely. Every day I wake up, excited about the day excited about life i know that sounds silly but i do i wake up and i'm i'm looking forward to the day what what's going to happen today what do i get to do today you know who am i going to see who am i going to talk to what are we going to do yeah um, it's just a constant you know uh overflowing of of my cup <laughs> and and if i can you know, help other people, one, learn to think this way, but then two, learn to take that thinking and recognize this is the, the kind of thinking that Jesus was ascribing, that Jesus was trying to teach. That's right. In the parables and in, in his, you know, do not worry, but tell God what you want. Yeah. So now you got to change how you think. Yep. Because you've spent a lifetime worrying about what you don't want. And many people cannot answer that question about what I do want. Yeah, right. And then do it on a consistent basis without sliding back into worry. Right. So this is all exciting for me for those reasons. I've, I've gone through this journey to arrive at this point, and I've made so many. You were talking in church the other day about all the money that you mm. wasted. Right. And if you had it now, yeah, it's like. You know, all the money I've wasted, all the time that I've wasted, and that was part of your analogy. It wasn't just money, but every day, yeah, you're given a your your, your bank is filled again. Yeah, 
and we're going to spend it. And there's $800 in there. One way or another. There's eight hours in there where you've got, how are you spending that? That's right. Facebook, crazy cat videos. Yeah. Arguing with somebody. Yeah. Drinking for two or three hours at the bar with your friends talking about nothing. Right. Yeah. Feeling like you're doing something. (laughs) Yeah. And I've kind of landed on a, a theme that I'm wrapping each week up with. You were talking about procrastination earlier. There's no time to waste. Every day counts. And so that's also why I'm excited about this. That we're, it feels like we're going somewhere. And I'm looking forward to where God takes it. Well, and I think that makes a good spot to wrap up. Yeah, absolutely. On that note. Awesome. I'm Mike. And I'm Lance. Thanks for joining. Thank you. Very much. Appreciate that. We are just these guys. Yep. Stay tuned next week for another exciting episode of the Mm -hmm. podcast. Have a blessed week. Mm